0: Hello, everyone, and welcome again to another episode of M365 Voice. My name is Mike Manarani.
1: I'm Sarah Hazi.
0: And I'm Antonio Maya. And uh, today we have a special guest with us, uh, Stephen Rose uh, from Microsoft, Senior Product Marketing Manager on Teams and Platform. Welcome and happy to have you here. It's great
2: to be here. Thanks so much, Mike. You and I go way back. Um, I was an MVP before joining Microsoft and have managed the MVP program uh, throughout Windows and other areas that I've been in. And Mike has been a big part of that over the years. So, and a big part of community. So, it's great to be here today. Thank you. Thank you. And you
0: have also a podcast. So, tell us about it as well.
2: I do, I have a web show called Inside Microsoft Teams. If you go to aka.ms forward slash inside MS Teams. We've been going now for about three years. Um, We do a variety of different things. We interview a lot of corporate customers. We've had Lego and AEG, Polaris. We just did Special Olympics to talk about how they deployed and managed Microsoft Teams, really best practices and what we can learn from how they're doing it, how they've driven adoption. Um, We have had a bunch of MVPs, including Mike, come on and do demos and talk about products in this season. We're doing something called a double-click series, where we're looking at everything from Viva and Syntax to MTRs and calling, and really doing short 15-minute 100 and 200 level that really is uh, to help you get a better understanding of a product or a feature and the gotchas around it. We just did one on the three different ways to set up calling and what are some best practices. We did one on frontline workers and the difference on uh, deploying to frontline workers versus information workers. So. Things along that line. We're always looking to evolve the show. So, uh-huh. but uh, yeah, it's great. It's doing really well. We just hit two million views in a little over three years, and uh, it's done really well with the IT pro community. So we appreciate everybody's support on it. And I'm happy to be here and share some of the cool things that we're doing here at Microsoft right now.
1: Awesome. I love it, and um, I love hearing about the podcast. And you have the coolest background of, of any of us. Every time that I see you on um, anything. Uh, that's recorded. Um, I love everything that you have behind you. It's a really great setup.
2: This is just me. It's, you know, my love of music and basses and all that sort of stuff. So it's it's where I relax as well as do my work and do my show. So it's great. I just keep upgrading the equipment though, which has been the nice part of this. So it's like, oh, there's a cool new camera that will track where I go or a new mic. So you know how it is. Once you buy one, you're like, oh, but that one's better. I need that one. And you always are looking at the next cool gadget out to make your home studio that much better.
3: Yes. So Steve, Steven, can you tell us a bit about your role at Microsoft?
2: I've been at Microsoft for 14 years now. Um, I originally started by launching the Windows 7 beta and stayed in Windows for many years, launching different iterations. Uh, then went to the US sub or helped to launch Surface and was working with a lot of our field and partners. Uh, I then was responsible for the IT Pro relaunch of OneDrive, so I worked very closely with engineering and we got rid of that horrible Groove.exe client and built it from the ground up. And my job was to really to raise awareness and drive community around that. Uh, from there, I was asked to move over to office and about three years ago, come over to Teams. But I really lead a lot of our IT Pro readiness. So in addition to my show uh, and the things that I do, I, I sit in a lot of conversations, really talk talking about community and what IT pros want and need, um, as opposed to often what we think um, our audience, and I know this is about 18 months behind the stuff that we talk about today. In about a year and a half, they'll just be getting to whatever the cool stuff is that we just announced last month. So I find it's very important to keep reminding folks of that. And that as we do things that are forward facing, like at Ignite, my session was having nine MVPs, do demos in a 40 minute, nine demos in a 40 minute session on features that were released during the previous year, rather than talk about something new. And it's like the third or fourth most watched session at Ignite. So continuing to do that, supporting our community, supporting our audience, helping our IT pros to understand what's important and to continue to talk about technology we've already released is really at my core and what I try to do across the all the teams that we have in Modern Work, which cover Teams office and sort of that that core of products.
0: I love Very, it. Beautiful. So you've been busy. The team, the entire team's team has been super busy. Yes. A lot of announcements, a lot of features coming up in the next, like you said, three to 18 months. Yeah. Uh, anything, any highlights about excited value that makes you excited or exciting features coming up right now or going to be soon? Sure. I think, you know, the most
2: exciting thing and, you know, we keep, adding new features and functionality to Teams, really listening to feedback on what we can do to make it easier to use, to simplify. And we've done things like that, like we've changed the meeting toolbar. So simple things like the raise hand is there. It's easier to do sharing. I've been talking a lot, and I know a lot of folks have about the value of things like PowerPoint Live and using that as your way to present on screen. So there's a lot there, but I think when I'm looking kind of at the long term, it is our investments in AI and what that can bring forward to people. We've seen it already in our products. We're seeing it in some of the features in Teams Premium, which I know we're going to talk about. But the idea that I can say uh, hey, I'm about to meet with this person, show me or create a document that has the top five things that we've discussed or five action items that were from the last meeting or go out and gather all the information on this topic that people are working on projects. And the idea that AI can go out and bring that information back to me, it we already have it where it can summarize a meeting, where it's assigning you action items, where it can kind of go through and intelligently recap what happened. But the idea that we can also turn it into a proactive tool is very exciting where I could say, show me everybody who's working in marketing and engineering on XYZ feature, and it can go out and do that. Summarize these three decks into 10 bullet points are the types of things that we're looking at. How do we bring the chat GPT, the AI stuff that we're doing along with what we've built in uh, in Mesh and in those tools, and how do we really bring that to turn AI into even more of an assistive technology, to not just uh, anticipate your needs, but to be able to grab large amounts of information and summarize it and give it to you in a timely manner, I think is really important. I think Things like that are going to change how folks work. I think it's going to help you to be better prepared for meetings, to be able to miss meetings and get the key pieces out of it that you need. And as we have so much data across so many places in the cloud to better help us to manage that and define it and grab the insights and information that's important. And I think if we can start to do that by bringing AI, and this is very much Sacha's blog post about a week or so ago, if we can start to bring some of those into our tools, it could dramatically change how people work and how we manage information and can just make all of our lives just easier and allow us to be more well-informed with all of that data and all that content being created. But I'm curious your thoughts on the announcements and and kind of what you think is the future of these tools.
0: Oh, it's... uh... It's, I love it. It's it just, uh, I have so many questions though. It's uh, more technical, but let's not go into deep dive right now. Uh, but this is basically a lot of the what you described. Uh, a lot of clients uh, in my world talk about in terms of if I have missed a meeting, how can I go and capture what is the right. summary of a meeting? How can I prepare for the meeting? How can I go and make sure that I'm inviting the right audience to the meeting if I have to go and, and hunt for information? So mm-hmm. uh, AI with Teams is, I think, it's going to be a breakthrough mm-hmm. for, for the next few months. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: I agree. And I think also looking at how we're going to weave that into uh, more deeply into tools like Word and PowerPoint and and Excel. I love in PowerPoint. I can use the design tool editor goes through and tells me better ways to word things. It's already showing me, you know, uh, Appropriate DNI language, things like that. Mm-hmm. We have the tool in Teams that will remind you, hey, take a break and ask a question and things like that, mm-hmm. and presenter coach. But the ability to take that even further and really personalize those experiences is very, very exciting to me. And I think will help to make both the creation and ingestion of content just much easier and really allow people to pick and choose the things that they want from those various areas.
1: I get so excited when we talk about topics like this. One of the things that, uh, and Antonio and I just experienced this when he was in the Twin Cities and we did a presentation for M365 Twin Cities, but I have my PowerPoint set up to always show subtitles whenever mm-hmm. I present. Yeah. The subtitles are always there and I get asked about it every single time that I present yeah. because people are like, how do you do this magic? I'm like it's built in, it's just there. And right. when I was in Ottawa in November, I was sitting in the room before my session started, I had the subtitles going, And they were saying, you can't do that and make it display the subtitles in French, can you? And like, of course you can. I've used it when I've spoken all over
2: the world and the audience goes nuts. I've done it in India, I've done it in Sweden, Amsterdam, and the audience loses their mind when you do it. It's such a simple thing, but it's so cool to show the power of the cloud and that real-time translation and how it works. And my favorite is when somebody says, well, how long did it take to train that? And I'm like, come up here. All right, you speak your native language. I'm gonna turn it to English and talk. And they're absolutely blown away when they can see immediately. Not like the old right. dragon speak or yes. any of those that took weeks and months to to train, that it's seconds uh, and how powerful it is. So and I agree. And that's not it's a feature so that, that
1: and, going and so away easy. or going
2: into premium. Yeah, that'll stay in, mm-hmm. in PowerPoint. Uh, and it's so cool and we encourage all of you to play with it, so.
1: So I have a question, bringing it yeah. back to the topic of Teams. Um, uh, I know that people are going to be very interested in bringing that kind of capability from PowerPoint into their team's meetings. Mm -hmm. Can you foreshadow some of the things that maybe are coming eventually down that pipeline? Because I know it's not just a PowerPoint capability, as you mentioned from an AI perspective, that this is something that Microsoft is really looking to invest in across the board for all of their tools.
2: Well, I, you know, that's I, I, a good time to talk briefly about Teams Premium. And the goal behind Teams Premium was not everybody's doing webinars. Not everybody is doing, um, you know, live meeting and using a lot of these features. And to raise our price on the product to force people to pay for something they weren't using just didn't make sense. So the idea was to offer Teams Premium as a subscription. Now, the first thing to understand about it is not everybody has to have that that subscription. That's probably the biggest area of confusion. In order for people to be able to take advantage of the features that are in Teams Premium, it's only the person who creates the meeting needs to have that license. So, with that license, you're able to do the real-time transcription and the real-time translation in Teams inside the meeting. So, not under your... Uh, under your image, but on the side where you can see that real-time transcription, you can also put on-screen that real-time translation, or you can hire translators and allow people to pick from translators who are offering a translation service during a meeting. This is especially good if you're going back and forth with people in other languages. So if I'm doing something in Japan, this way the translator will take the question in Japanese, say it to me in English, he'll do it back in Japanese, and we can actually have conversations rather than it being a push element. We've added a lot more things like Green Room and additional functionality that lets you do things like Watermark inside of meetings, um, uh, more uh, additional features that can be used during meetings to make them, um, you know, the pages that you're creating branded to even track how long were people in this webinar and doing those sort of things, and some of that intelligent follow up that we talked about. Like I said, these are features that only a small portion of folks uh, have really asked for. So the goal with Teams Premium was to do that. But the great thing is, if you're working on a on a webinar and you have Teams Premium, you can make other people the presenters. You can just be the person who's managing the event and everybody who you invite and bring in is going to have that functionality because you as the original creator have that license so it's not important that everybody have it there's been a lot of questions on what's next and are the teams and are you know are new features in teams only going to go to teams premium and and that's absolutely not going to happen i think our goal is for people that are doing webinars and live events for people who want an added additional level of security to a meeting, like the kind of thing you'd see if there was a locked room with frosted glass in an office where you want to know what the encryption code is, you want to be able to put a custom watermark. So if somebody grabs a screenshot that that's getting out, and I think that will be important, but not everybody needs that level. So it's those types of features that we're going to continue to build upon for Teams Premium that will help that audience. But we have a lot of new features that are going to come to every user of Teams over the next few months. And it's a combination as always of evolution and revolution. Evolution meaning these are the things that folks have asked for to to fix or to make better, or that maybe something our competitors have or a logical next step on a feature. And then there's some things that folks don't expect at all. you know like our avatars or things like that that will continue to bring those to lighter features that allow you to look and think about how you are collaborating differently and to bring those together so all of those stuff working on and we're continuing our work on teams 2.1 the next version of teams which will be built on uh, on the new platform which is going to allow us to do even more Features and functionality with that newly redesigned uh, interface that won't look different, but it will be on the Reactive platform, which is going to allow things to work faster and better and smoother and lots of great stuff on that. We have a lot of large customers playing with it now, and we're looking forward to, uh, at some point this year, releasing a public preview for folks to start playing with. So, um, we're working on that as we speak, and we're very excited. We talked about that briefly at Ignite, and we'll be very excited to share more about that as, uh, as the year goes on.
1: That was amazing, Um, I like all of that. I'm gonna stop because otherwise I have follow-up questions, but this is the problem, Stephen, you can already see how this goes. It's a question of who can jump in first with a question. Go for it. I'm here for
2: all of you. So whatever questions you wanna ask, I'm game. Have at it. I had an easy one, I think. Okay, and by the way, those are always the first and hardest questions. So this is an easy one. They
3: throw it at you and you're like, oh crap. All right, go ahead. So what you said about Teams Premium, is it available (laughs) now? even in preview, or is it still coming? Uh,
2: It's, I believe we released it. Um, If not, we're doing it. No, it's going to happen in the next week or two. So GA is in the next few weeks in February. It's still in preview, so folks can play with it. But yeah, we'll still have a a preview of it. But yeah, it'll go GA this month, and folks will be able to start leveraging that, uh, that functionality. I think in the next few weeks, I think we said February, and we're on track for that. So it'll happen very shortly.
3: And is it an additional per uh user per month license on top it of is, whatever it is other ten
2: dollars.
3: Yeah, it's ten dollars per
2: user. And I'll tell you this if you're a person who's bought a lot of licenses from us, talk to your sales team. They're gonna, right. you know, give you some deals and discounts. But again, it's not for the people who are consuming that content, it's only for the creators. So you may have 10 or 15 people in your company that require that license, even though that content may be consumed by Thousands of people that you're doing. It's only the folks who are the creators. So um, it's something to think about on who would best benefit: the folks who are doing live events, the folks who are doing webcasts, the folks who need the highest level of security, maybe in design, and maybe some of your management team. A team who intelligent recaps would be valuable for them. So that's probably the best way to
1: to take a look at that. All right, what's the next question?
3: Mike, you're on mute.
0: I am, I was talking to anyway, yeah. I, I will, You there we got it. sorry. <laughs> I got to get you one of these now. Um, before my get to my next question, I'm very excited about uh, Teams 2.1 because it's uh, I've uh, played a little bit with it, it's awesome. It's uh, uh, really, really excited to see the mm-hmm. additional feature and how it works. Um, on the other side, what about the Teams, uh, teams rooms and Teams devices Um, Teams phones, there's a lot of things happening in the past few months and new new announcements also happening in the next few months. Can you talk to us about that?
2: Yeah, I think what we're seeing with Teams phones and MTRs and Teams rooms and Teams devices are a lot of uh, Android devices now coming up. Now, these are managed different than an Android phone, but I think what's great as I take a look at You know, we have hot desking devices like Neat Frame and things like that that are great. Lenovo's announced some new ones that are monitors and Teams devices all-in-ones. And what's great is, as long as you're keeping up and automating those patches, they're always up to date. They're super easy to manage. But what we're seeing now is an influx, you know, in two areas. A, Cisco devices that will now work with Teams, and we've listed which ones are compatible with Teams Room. So for folks who have invested in that, we've done that. But we're also seeing from... Epos and Logitech and companies like that. Some really great, very affordable Android based Teams devices, which are using the Android OS and they're amazing. I mean, I can walk into a room on my phone, hit a button and say, switch over to the room and it does that. I can walk into a room and not have to plug in anymore and do those things to be able to join that meeting, be a part of it and share content. So we're finding they're getting way far more you know, affordable, which is one of those things. And I think what's also important to remember is as we're seeing folks go from working at home back to the office, there's a lot of value in folks in the office, even if they're in a Teams room, to still be online. And that's where things like front row and things like that come in. Um, There was a great quote from Polaris, the company that makes motorcycle, uh, Indian motorcycles and the snowmobiles and stuff. And the CIO was on the show and he said, he goes, I love chat. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I love it when there's chat in a meeting. And I'm like, why? And he goes, because. Before we had Teams, you can't have people having a side conversation in a meeting. It just gets distracting, doesn't work. But when we have people who are at home and people who are in the office, but we're all in the Teams client, people can chat back and forth. And for me, that shows they're engaged. They're having conversations on what we're talking about and it allows people who may not speak up or have a you know, big voice or not be very assertive in a meeting to be able to talk, talk with others and get their ideas. And I thought that's absolutely brilliant and not something that I had thought about. And with features like the 360 camera in front row, we're putting everybody, whether you're in the Teams room or you're remote, giving everybody sort of that same real estate at the bottom so everybody's face and head looks the same. It highlights who's speaking and goes through that so that it's more equal. And I think that's one of the key things we're seeing is that Teams Rooms are becoming far more affordable. There's more options for them. We're making them easier to manage every rev of the product, but also they bring a great equalizer to everybody, whether they're hybrid, remote, local, et cetera, to give everybody that same footing to make the meeting a better and more quality experience, I think, for everybody who's involved. And that, I think, is where the value really comes in for this uh, and where we're starting to see a lot of excitement from a lot of our customers.
1: And I love that because I think when um, running a lot of Teams meetings, running a lot of um, virtual conferences, training Mm -hmm. events, here's the thing, being able to enable people to put a question in chat, to be able to raise their hand, all of these things that are, as you said, the great equalizer, in addition to being able to have the meeting transcript running down right. the side, it's its like trying to watch a movie right with my kids when you don't have closed captioning turned on. It doesn't work because they, they wanna be able to see it. And it just brings everybody to a very similar uh, context in terms of being able to operate together. And it's Agreed. so meaningful.
2: Agree, but from a DNI, it, you know, perspective, here's something important. There are folks. You know, my daughter has a um, a disability that makes it difficult for her. She has to work very hard to translate what people are saying, and it takes her brain an extra second. It's called um, she. It's like a form of dyslexia or dyscalculia. Um, It's called auditory processing. And for her, when she watches a movie or sits in a class, turning on the transcription actually helps her because she can read what somebody's saying, and that sticks in her brain faster and quicker than hearing it. So Mm -hmm. I think that's very important, especially if you have people who speak a second language or English is not their Mm -hmm. first language, to really create, again, that equitable and equal platform for everybody that may include the transcription, the translation, and some of those features, some that are available in regular teams, some that are part Teams premium. I think you need to understand your audience and what the requirements are, but I think that's the goal, is what works best. And now, you know, features like loop and loop workspaces, which are starting to hit, are even more exciting for being able to create these active elements in real time that allow everybody to participate and add and drop in their thoughts and that it's always up to date. And whether you're opening it up in an email, inside of a Word document, or inside of a Teams chat, that that content is there in every place. So I think it's those types of things that really help people to connect better and to have those you know, sort of water cooler discussions that happen when we're all in the office, but don't necessarily happen when we're at home. And it's trying to create spaces that allow people to do that sort of thing is is my takeaway from it, at least.
1: And I love that we're highlighting these things, because I think if we looked back three or four or five years ago in, in many contexts and situations, I think it was someone used to have to ask to have a feature like that turned on or enabled. Yeah. And I think that more often than not, we're including those things mm-hmm. as part of the normal experience. Um And when we do that, um, it, it also helps to bring everyone together and equalize because suddenly you don't have to be the person who has to ask for that yeah. to be enabled. It just is more inclusive uh, by default. And frankly, I love it. It's hard for me to pay attention if there are. I benefit from looking at the captions. Um, So I really I love, love all of those features and the way that people get so excited about them. Mm-hmm.
2: No, I agree. I mean, every, and I'm amazed at how many people don't know about some of the simple features we have that when you're doing, for example, PowerPoint Live, you can circle and draw on the screens that if there's a URL, people can click on it and go directly to it. You can still see everybody. You can still see the chat. You can turn off the preview so that people can't see the slides before mm-hmm. you're ready to show them. All of those types of things really create a better meeting experience, a more inclusive experience and it's awesome. Plus, here's the key thing, you're using so much less bandwidth. The biggest problem that I have is when people do a full screen share, you are now redrawing, you know, 1020 by 768, or now 3896, whatever people have their resolution set at. You're redrawing every single one of those pixels instead of when you are embedding that video into PowerPoint Live or doing it that way. You're using about 20% of the bandwidth. Video looks great and sounds awesome, pictures look good, everything looks so much better when you do it that way, than when you try to redraw that whole gigantic monitor that's refreshing at 60 hertz a second. It's a simple thing, but it's those types of things that we're trying to do. And that we're also, when you now go into share, things like that, you now see share PowerPoint live, share Excel live. So we're looking on how to simplify that sharing experience and make that more of the default for folks. But we can't just make it the only way to do things, because we have a lot of people who are not using Office, that are using, you know, numbers and pages or or docs, uh, you know, Google Docs or things like that, Slack, et cetera. And we wanna make sure that those also work inside of Teams as well. So there's always that balance of how do we make sure we're not doing things that are best for people that are all Microsoft Stack and make it equitable, but also to bring features that give folks that are using that some really kind of cool things that can help to take their meetings to the next level if they're willing to just take a little bit of time and and learn about them through any one of the many blogs and shows and things like that that we have, or just chatting with you folks, uh, because I'm sure you talk about a lot of these too.
1: I have more Teams Premium questions, but I'm going to wait. I talk a lot, Steven, so I got to I gotta give Mike an interview. Antonio,
2: you get questions. the next one, and then Mike sure. does, and then we'll come back to Sarah. So Antonio, you so, have the next question.
3: Let me first ask, are you guys still able to see me? Because in my team, yes. you guys are all blacked out. No, okay. we can, I can see still you. hear you, yeah, can't see you, I can't see any of you, so I wasn't sure if I was still on. Yeah, it's um, too bad, you have, a, you have a
2: little boogie right there, so if you <laughs> get rid
3: of it, I'm just kidding. Uh, so I, I wanted to go back to something you said earlier, Steven, yeah. around um, using AI. Mm-hmm. for uh, meeting experiences. So I loved what you suggested about, um, you know, from from what is said in a meeting, from the transcription, to be able to summarize that, perhaps take meeting actions automatically to allow you to, say, uh, miss a meeting, right? Like right. I think one of the things that we all suffer from is meeting fatigue or managing our calendar. The number of times a week I have to, you know, reshuffle my calendar because I get double booked and triple booked is really hard and then missing things in those meetings just makes life and work harder. Mm -hmm. So some of the things you talked about there, is that something that's there today? Is any of that there today or is it something- It is, yeah. Teams
2: Premium has some of those features, some are available on regular Teams. So Teams Premium, if you're a Teams Premium subscriber, after a meeting you'll get the powerpoint you will get the transcript a link uh, and the video so which of course you can search any of those and bring that out it will also grant action items and it will summarize the meeting for you that's in teams premium and then we that's have great. other features which are in regular teams which will also start to do that you've already may have seen that the old we had an office app where you could sort of search across all the documents in office yeah. and all of that we've now changed that into the microsoft 365 app and with that, we're bringing even more functionality to that, that will start to tie all these things in the cloud together or say, hey, you're about to do this meeting. You'll see this in Outlook. Here's a recent PowerPoint and email from that person that was shared. That's so you're awesome. going to start to see more and more. And I think our investments that we're making in, the, uh, in these third-party AI technologies are going to help us to do that better and smarter and to bring more of... Uh, Customized information to you before those meetings. But you're already seeing that when you go, when I click on a meeting over on the right hand border with Outlook, I'm already starting to see some of that stuff start to pop up. And that's really exciting. If, you know, especially now since we've added that functionality for you to start meetings five and 10 minutes late, to use that five minutes to go in and take a look at that and kind of get an idea for, ah, this is what we were talking about and this is where we're at. And here's the last meeting. Now I'm ready to go.
3: Yeah, that is, I find a lot of people, a game changer, these starting meetings five minutes later, 10 minutes late. Just so to give you that little break in the day. It is. It's amazing how small it is, but it has such a huge impact on your day. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a chance to get up and get a bio break <coughs> or grab some yeah. coffee or just get
2: up and walk around and Fair do that. It, yeah. It's hard as someone who. <laughs> um you know, as neurodiverse, I have ADD and ADHD, doing 30-minute meetings without a break back-to-back and doing eight, ten of them in a day and each yeah. one on a completely different topic is, is really taxing. Yeah, by the end of the day, I'm toast. And having that five minutes to get up, walk around, take a look at that, what is this next meeting about, and sort of set in my head what that is, really helps me to transition better, to quickly read through things and not have to go, well, what did we talk about and spend five or 10 minutes of that 20, 25 minute meeting, recapping and really getting into the meat of it, figuring out what's next and moving things forward, but being able to balance the amount of brain power that I need to exert so that I have that stamina to get through the day and give everything I'm doing that same level of focus. So again, as part of that inclusion and diversity, it, it's a really great thing to do for folks. Mike, you're up.
0: Um, I wanna go back to 2.0. Okay. Anything that you can share with our audience um, that they should be looking forward to it? Uh, Any features that we can share at all or
2: still? Not a whole lot I can talk about just yet. We're working on some announcements that we'll be having in the next few months, and I'm very excited about it. What's great is when you log in, it's going to look like teams it's not going to look dramatically different and that's what's great but you're going to go crap this thing starts up fast and it runs fast and it's using so much less you know bandwidth and memory power and things along that line i also have a mac and i know when i switched to the m uh, to the to the m chip client i saw a huge uh, improvement in the quality of the team's client. And again, that's because that one is designed from the ground up. Not building it on top of SharePoint. You're not going to lose any of those connections to SharePoint, but it's it's redoing it from the ground up. And like I said, this framework is going to allow us to do innovations and features that folks have been asking for that we couldn't do with the previous framework. So. Uh, We'll have more to share in the next few months. I'm excited about the things that are going to be happening, but what's great is for those of you that are end users, it's not going to change your life. You're going to go in and go, oh, this is fast and thinner and better, but everything is still going to look the same, but it's going to allow us to do so much more to simplify, make things easier and make things better uh, and address some of the key features that folks have said, hey, I'm still on Slack. I'm still still on Zoom. And if you could get this feature in Teams, I would switch. And our goal is of course, to get as many of those as we can. And this new reactive framework is gonna allow us to do that. So that's about all I can share now, but we have a lot of good stuff that we're working on and we're very excited, Uh, as promised, to be able to talk about that and have a public preview for everybody in the next few months is our goal. And of course we'll have more to share at build and ignite and all the rest as the year goes on, but we're working hard on that. And so is Jeff's team. So nice, good stuff coming. awesome.
1: Good answer. So Stephen, I'm interested from an organizational perspective for organizations that leverage Teams as they're thinking about Teams Premium and they're thinking about these users that might need these extra capabilities as it relates to meetings, webinars, um, analytics about meetings, meeting protections, things like that. Are you finding that organizations are having to come up with a new type of persona or user in their organization that relates to these feature needs? Because as I think about being in an organization, we think about our types of users. This is, a you know, maybe a lens that not all organizations have looked at in sure. terms of the people that need these features.
2: I think before answering that, I'm going to go back to my comment earlier that is so many of our customers are 12 to 18 months behind. So while a lot of them are looking at Teams Premium, we still have a lot of companies who, in 2019 and 2020, when the pandemic hit, got off of Skype for Business and went to Teams, but didn't make adoption the step before deploy. And what we saw was in 2020 and 2021, and, and even today, many companies have said, yeah, we pushed out Teams. We have 80% of our company using it. And I say, great. How many are using it for more than just chat and calling? And then we see some of those numbers go down. Why? Because people didn't like a doctor go in and figure out where people's pain was. And that's where things like the change champions and the superheroes, you know, community and those folks have done such a great job. It's so important, you know, really three things. Number one, it has to start at the top. We're seeing email numbers go down. But the problem that we have is we have four generations of workers for the first time ever in the history of technology. We have baby boomers and we have Gen X who were the first generations to have desktop computers and laptops and floppies. And I had a PCMCIA card for wireless that I would put in a gigantic slot on the side of my machine, but we're used to apps on the device, data being stored on the device. As you move forward and you get to millennials and Gen Z, you have the first generation born in the cloud. All they need to work is a browser and nothing else. And they're used to being able to work from anywhere on any device and do it securely. And they don't see a difference between a cell phone and a laptop, but the biggest difference is we still have the amount of, you know, this new, two new generations, which are the folks we wanna keep in these jobs are text focused. We have the earlier generations that are still email. It was interesting. There was a survey I was reading in Wired where they talk about how often do millennials and Gen Zers check their email? And the answer is twice a day, twice a day. The average response time for an email is three to seven hours. The average response time for a text is eight to 22 minutes. So what we're finding is somebody's like, oh yeah, I'll send out an email. Uh, You know, my favorite line is uh, emails are how you tell me there's donuts in the break room. It is. And what that really means is emails, what you send out when it's something company-wide that everybody needs to know. But if you think about the old, you know, what if you get hit by a bus scenario? If I want to bring somebody new in on a project, the idea is I drop them into Teams. Every document, every conversation, every recording, every meeting is there. They could read through that. And in a matter of hours, they have a pretty good idea on what's going on. If you're going to start saying, well, go to the share drive and here's a bunch of emails and here's this and here's the SharePoint site, forget it. It's not going to happen. So I think. The first thing we have to do is IT administrators and training have to really sit down and understand where can teams benefit each group within the company. What is the pain point they have? Maybe it's doing approvals or invoices, which can be automated. Mike has done some great presentations on you know Power Apps and Power Automate and Power BI and automating those processes. It may be. Uh, you know, governance and organization, or automatic data processing using intelligence, whatever that is, all of those things can be figured out. And what you're going to do is then configure Teams so it makes sense for those groups and get them to start using that more. And what we've seen from companies that have really embraced Teams is their email usage drops dramatically, text and chat goes up, more of those quick chats turn into a meeting, that happens there, but everything is in one place. And as great as all this other stuff is in Teams Premium, We still have a lot of folks that aren't using the Teams basics. you got to get your execs. CEOs, CIOs, CTOs, et cetera, are not turning on cameras. If they're saying, where's that document and saying, well, email it to me, that's going to turn into problems. And that's the great thing is you can take what you would do as an email and you can post it to Teams or take a Teams chat and send it to somebody in email. But the answer has got to be it's in Teams. Then it's governance, it's taking a look at all of those teams. And my favorite thing that I've seen done was, we had a company who said, when you go to create a new team, it's going to say, what is this team about? And pick five of these 20 words that best describes your team. Then it would go out to a SQL database and take a look at all the team names and say, here are five teams that seem to do something similar to what you want. Will any of these teams work? And they said 70 percent of people said yes. The ones who didn't, they'd say no, they put in a reason, then they would get a new team if it was deemed so to be created. So that managing of teams and really having each project be a team and when that project's done, that team or that channel then gets archived. It's also sharing, using um, Teams Connect, shared channels to say hey i'm working on a project with an external vendor i'm going to create a private shared channel and i'm going to open it up to those people externally and now you have this great sandboxed area where only the the documents on this project are going to live and if you're using azure information protection when that project's over anything that they downloaded if you allowed them to do it they no longer have access to so i think before we start digging into how people start to set themselves up for Teams Premium, which I love the question. I think it's great. We still have a lot of folks who haven't done those first steps, who are still sharing everything through email, 10 copies of documents flying around, executives not really using Teams, things along that line. That's why you're seeing things like chat and Teams come to Outlook so that you can see those chats and get out of Outlook and move over to Teams. And why we're seeing so many apps now being integrated. We're seeing things like, you know, Atlassian, Jira Confluence and Cloud and Workday and Salesforce being integrated where you can take a text and turn it into a Confluence ticket without having to leave the app. So I think it's all of these things that it really takes IT and a change specialist or, you know, a change champion or someone like that to really come in take a look at the processes that don't make sense and really help to drive that deeper adoption of Teams. And I think once you get there, then the value of Teams Premium really comes out and it becomes very obvious. Who's gonna need those licenses? Who can really take advantage of it and who can do it? So those companies that are already there, awesome. And yeah, we can have that conversation all day, but we still have so many customers that are still in that first block that really need to think about how they're using this tool and understanding that this is the new OS. It's not Windows. Teams is the framework for where you're going to be spending most of your day. And if you're not, it gets difficult. I always love when people say, when is Outlook going to get integrated into Teams? And my answer is, if you're asking that, you're not using either one correctly. And that's really sort of, you know, at the core of that. And it sounds like a bit of a diss, but it really is. Email's great for this. And Teams is great for this. And there's still that gap you know, where that doesn't work well as an email and that doesn't work well on a team. And that's just fine. But it's understanding that it's not a one size fits all on both sides. And that that's the hardest thing for so many companies to understand. And I spent a lot of time doing what we call executive briefings with customers that come in. And that conversation is still a conversation that we continually have with companies that are in the Fortune 500 worldwide. And um, it's great to hear what they're doing and over the years how they're becoming more and more focused on that. I know it was a little bit of a long answer to a short question, but I think it, it's an important um, thing to understand for those folks and what you need to do to make sure you are successful and will get that value out of Teams Premium.
1: I think that was a keynote in a single answer.
0: <laughs> it probably was, yes. Awesome. Um. There's a lot. We can go on and on forever about all the new features, what we're trying to do, but also also we have to respect everyone's time here. Yeah. Uh so- I, I do want to
2: point I do want to point to two things. There is a yeah. great blog we do every month in the first seven days of the month called the What's New in Teams blog. It's on tech community and it lists every month what the new features are and what's being released, whether it's insider, GA, et cetera. So that's the best place to take a look and be on top of what's being released for government frontline workers, management, teams, rooms, and devices, and all of that, and that is absolutely the best place for folks to go to keep on top of what's new, what's coming, and what they should be taking a look at. So I want to call out. Holly Lehman does an awesome job on that. Uh, She's on my team, and I want to call her out on that. And we have a new guy who's now, a new person who's now running Roadmap, so that's going to get even more accurate, but it is still, he's finding better ways to get engineering to take what they're working on into Roadmap and more up-to-date, so we're working on that process, too, because I know that that's key for a lot of folks as we talk about what's coming
0: love it so to wrap up one last question sure uh any specific dates that our audience should be waiting for uh any major things in the next few months like uh, do we have any milestones or no it's gonna happen whenever we we see it on on the uh we have a lot of great stuff coming up
2: yeah. We'll have a lot to share in the next few months. We have build coming up in a few months as well. We're going to have some great stuff. I think just keeping on our blogs between Sacha's blog and the what's new in teams are going to see a lot of great stuff. I am more excited for the things that we can potentially do in the next few years than I've been in a long time. And I think Someone said, this moment in AI is very similar to the moment when Bill Gates said, hi, our focus is going to be on Internet. Windows 95, everything we're doing, the future is going to be the Internet, and that's where we need to focus. And Satya said that, that the future is AI. It's going to affect every aspect of our being, and this is our focus. And I think we're really figuring out what that means in the short and long term and how we can really leverage that. So it's a very exciting time and throughout the year. We're going to have some great announcements that are going to excite you, that are going to inspire you, and are going to make you really happy with the investments that you have, and will excite you about new things that are coming. So it'll be a great year. And after we make some of those, I'm happy to come back and talk about them in more depth with all of you. Awesome. You.
0: Awesome. Very, very excited. And uh, thank you, Stephen. Always good My pleasure. to chat with you. Always thank you. Good thank to you. you here. And uh, looking forward for more features and announcements. Love it. Thank you. Thank you, everyone.
1: Thanks, Stephen.